Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. So um, I, am, I am someone who is terrible at goodbyes. And it's not that I am terrible at goodbyes because I, I get really emotional and struggle saying goodbye to people because I can't cope with how much I'll miss them. It's more that I am the master of the awkward goodbye. Like when it's time to say goodbye to someone, especially when I don't know them that well, I just do not know what to do. Like, what's the protocol here? Am I supposed to give them like a polite handshake or am I supposed to go in for the hug? Like, and what happens if I go in for a handshake and they go in for a hug and that my hand is like squashed between us? Or even if we are going in for a hug, do I go for a proper hug or is it more of a Christian side hug situation? And this is the sort of stuff that genuinely goes through my mind when saying bye to people. And the worst, the worst was in Brightline. Often, often, we, often, often, we do... We do mission weeks in different areas and a lot of time you'd meet lots of different groups of people and you would enjoy doing mission with them for that week. Uh, And then most of the time you'd go your separate ways and a lot of the time you'd never see those people again. And um, I'd hate the end of the week uh, when it came to say goodbye. Not because I was emotional, just I had no idea what to do. Like, the rest of Brightline are quite huggy people. So it'll be time to say goodbye and they would be like giving these people huge hugs. Like just for the record, these were people that were strangers last week. I thought it was strange that they were giving them hugs like they were old friends. And um, they'll be giving them hugs and I'd be there and I'd be thinking to myself like, I really don't want to hug you. Uh, and so I'd usually stand at the back of the the group, give a polite little wave and kind of like jump back in the van as quick as I could. Uh, Daniel knew that I found this awkward. So sometimes he would push me to the front. And so then I would have to like initiate what's like the goodbye protocol that's going on here. Um, Goodbyes are not my thing. And uh, today we're looking at Acts 20, when Paul gives his final face-to-face goodbye to the elders of the church at Ephesus. It's not an awkward, uncomfortable goodbye like I usually deal with, but it's instead, it's a, an emotional and raw farewell where Paul is trying to get across to the leaders of the church the important characteristics that they need in order to continue serving God. That we must be people who persevere and keep going even when times are tough. To keep watch, not getting complacent, and that we must be willing not just to take it easy and build a treasure on this earth, but to seek after a heavenly inheritance instead. And the first thing we hear Paul talk about is his perseverance through trials. We pick it up in Acts 20, uh, verses 17 to 27. If you've got your Bible, why don't you grab it? Uh, Acts 20, 17 to 27. But when we landed uh, in Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from that day I set foot in the province of Asia until now. I have done the Lord's work humbly. And with many tears, I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. I, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. 
I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. I remember uh, when I was a kid, really, really wanting a skateboard. I used to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater on PlayStation. Anyone else play that? It's a fantastic game. Uh, And I'd see the amazing tricks they do, and I was like, I want to do that. I want to be able to do a varial kickflip into a 50-50 grind and then pop shove it out of it. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to skate down massive half pipes doing 540 flips like I was doing it in my sleep. Uh, And so when it was coming up to my birthday, a skateboard was what I wanted more than anything else. And so after making it very clear to my parents that that was what I wanted, I finally got to my birthday and I got my skateboard. And I got on the skateboard ready to do all the tricks I'd seen the pros do. But as soon as I stood on it, I realized that it may not be as easy as I thought it was. I'm quite a clumsy person, so riding a wooden board with wheels was not going to end well for me. So after a few falls uh, and not uh, and only being able to do like the tiniest, tiniest ollie off the ground, uh, I gave up and I never really used my skateboard again. I wanted the, the reward of being able to do these amazing tricks, but I was unwilling to put in the practice and perseverance needed to get there. And I was actually so unwilling to sacrifice my time and effort, which was necessary if I ever wanted to end, ever end up any good at skating. Plus, I was so afraid of hurting myself, I just decided to give up altogether. And many times, I think when it comes to serving Jesus, I think we're, we're happy to do it as long as it doesn't require too much effort. We're happy to go out and reach the lost as long as it doesn't take up too much of our time. And we're happy to preach the gospel as long as it doesn't require too much personal sacrifice. And sometimes I think we're so afraid of getting hurt along the way, we just decide to give up altogether. Serving Jesus can be tough. Being in ministry can be tough. But what a privilege we have to serve the name above all names. What a privilege we have to introduce people to Jesus, the one who can give them life and life to the full. The one who showed his extravagant love for us that while we were still sinners, that he would die on a cross for us. We get to serve that God. And what's mad is that he chooses to use us, messed up sinners like us. He chooses to use us. What a privilege. Paul was someone who'd been through many trials. And in this passage, he reminds us what it takes to follow Jesus, that it requires perseverance, endurance, and the willingness to suffer in order for the gospel to be spread. He says this in verses 19 to 20. I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that come to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. How many of us can say that we don't shrink back when tough times come our way? I think so much of the time when we're going through tough periods in our lives, when mission is difficult or we just keep coming up against barriers time and time again, the temptation so much of the time is just to stop 
retreat, to withdraw from mission that we know that God has called us to do because it's got too tough. To withdraw because it's requiring too much personal sacrifice. To give up because of what it will require of us, both physically and emotionally, to get there. To, to get there. But what if God is calling all of us into a, a higher level of commitment, to a higher level of sacrifice? If we're wanting to see revival across Manchester and across the nation, we can't operate at the same level that we've been operating at and expect different results. We need to be willing to go deeper. If we're wanting to see God do greater things among us, we must get serious about what it means to serve him. And I'm not talking just about outreach, but it's the time that we're spending with Jesus behind the scenes that is important too. Because the more we get serious about reading his word and spending time in his presence, the more that, that will outwork into our mission. The reason Paul could say that he never shrank back was because his foundation wasn't in the world, but his foundation was wholeheartedly in God. The more we root our foundation in God and his word, the more we get serious about spending time with him, the more that when, we, when things come to try and knock us down, that it won't take us out. As we seek after God's heart, it will automatically shift our perspective. So that when we go through trials, while before it might have rocked us to the core and taken us out, now we can stand firm because we know where we've built our foundation on. God, the one who never changes and is never shaken, the more we seek after God's priorities, the more our own will shrink away. I love this, uh, this quote from Pete Gregg. He says this, We are qualified for Christian service by our praying, not our preaching. By our desire to worship him, not our workload on his behalf. By knowing Jesus personally and not just by knowing a lot of interesting things about him. Paul then continues talking to the Ephesus leaders, warning them to stay alert. It says this in verses 28 to 31. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day. My many tears for you. Don't know about you, but I think truth feels like a precious commodity these days. We're so often bombarded by different versions of events, the media spin on current affairs and fake news on social media that we're left try battling trying to figure out what's actually true and what's not. For me, this is no more evident than what we're seeing happening in Russia right now. I read news reports about the Russian people's opinions on the war in Ukraine. And while there are many against the war, it scares me just how many Russian people are utterly convinced by the lies their government are spreading. That they're convinced that Ukraine deserve this war and that Russia are the heroes in this situation. And we too in the church, we need to be careful about what we're listening to. We need to be careful about the ideas and the opinions that we're hearing and taking on. Making sure we don't believe something just because it sounds good or it has a charismatic leader behind it with a convincing argument. 
We are so blessed that we have so much resource, which means that we get to expand our knowledge of the Bible and hear different thoughts and opinions on what different passages mean. We get to weigh up different theologies and reasonings, and and all of that is great. It's good to make sure our faith is not just a blind one, but that we are wrestling with Scripture. But we need to make sure that whatever we're reading and listening to, that we always bring it back to the Bible. We need to make sure we are always bringing it back to Scripture. New ideas will come and they'll go, but what remains the same is the Word of God. And I'm so grateful for that. In a world that is constantly changing and constantly having different opinions on life and how we should live it, we get to root ourselves in something different, something that never changes, that speaks through cultures and gives us truth when the world so often doesn't. Paul, he writes this in 2 Timothy 4, uh, verses 3 to 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Let's not be people who just go off with any idea that sounds good. Let's be people rooting ourselves in the word of God. Because the more we spend time in that place, the more that when we hear something new or a different idea or a different perspective, we are able to weigh it up because we've spent time rooting ourselves in God's word. I I first joined the message in 2012 doing Message Academy and uh, I was in a house with Daniel Eduardo and uh, me and Daniel throughout the year started playing different pranks on each other. So uh, it started because I think I like covered his stuff in his room in tinfoil and then he decided to like put a load of gross food in my room and hide it so that my room would stink and I'm telling you it stank Uh, but then I set up the perfect prank. Uh, Daniel had a large collection of trainers that were very precious to him so over the course of a few weeks I'd, um, I'd go into his room and I'd steal just one shoe from a pair and I would hide it in my room Uh, And over the months, every now and then, I'll just keep taking one shoe from a pair and another shoe from a pair until Daniel was just left with a bunch of odd shoes. And uh, yeah, this went for a while. And the thing is, Daniel didn't even realize for like months and months that he was missing a load of shoes. And with our faith, actually, I think we need to be careful that we're not chipping away at things because they don't seem relevant anymore. Constantly taking a bit away and another bit away and another bit away until we're left with a bunch of odd thoughts and opinions that don't make sense because we stripped everything back to a place where our faith has nothing to stand on. It's about making sure our foundation is in God's word so that when things do come across our way, we have a solid base to stand on. Paul tells us to stay alert, to keep watch, guard ourselves and God's people. People will come along and will try and distort the truth. We need to be people rooted in the truth of God's word. Finally, Paul tells the leaders of the church in Ephesus to help those in need, building up a heavenly inheritance. Verses 32 to 38 of Acts 20 say this. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes, You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. 
You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. The final thing that we see Paul taught to the church leaders here is about money. And I don't think this is a coincidence. In fact, I think Paul left it till last because it's something that is so easily can trip up every single one of us. Money, after all, is one of the things that's mentioned most in the Bible. But I wonder if the leaders were actually a little bit disappointed by this. Like here Paul was giving his final farewell and he's coming to the end of what would be his final words to them. I can imagine all the leaders, all ears, excited to hear what Paul was building up to and how he was going to commission them off into mission. Maybe they were expecting Paul to talk to them on how to be a great leader. Maybe they were expecting him to go on a rallying cry, urging them to spread the good news of Jesus. Or maybe even he was going to give them some top tips on tent making. But no, the final thing Paul talked to them about is in the area of money. And it's funny because I think that what the Bible teaches about money is some of the stuff that we find most difficult to put into action. And so as a result, I think so often we can push aside what the Bible says about money, kind of pretend it's not there and carry on with our lives. We can elevate money to this position of power over our lives. And because we don't like dealing with the subject, we push the issue to the side and don't talk about it. Paul here, though, he he does the opposite. He elevates the issue around money because it's important. And he talks about it so it would no longer have power over us to stop us doing what God has called us to do. I'm going to hold my hand up and say I struggle in this area. I have my spreadsheet with all my income and outgoings. Everything is balanced perfectly. And if there was anything to knock it off balance, it would send me into a spin. And I read things like it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think, well, there's a nice idea. Yeah, it is nice to give to people and bless others, but I'll reserve it for Christmas and birthdays and I'll keep my giving to a regulated, budgeted activity. But what if, what if God is wanting us to go further than budgeted generosity, but to be people who are outrageously generous, to not stop because we've reached the amount that balances the spreadsheet nicely, but to give out of a place of recognition that everything I own is not mine. It's what God has so kindly given to me. It's about giving out of a place of faith that God will and has met every one of my needs. And it's about giving out of a place of knowing that as we are generous with what God has given us, we get to point people to our outrageously generous God who sent his son Jesus, giving everything for us by dying on a cross. It's when we take that perspective on money that our giving habits will change. And something that I think is key here is what Paul says in verse 33. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. I wonder if we find giving so difficult because of our culture of always wanting the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I'll admit, sometimes I'm the opposite of that statement that Paul says. I am often desiring after others' possessions and what people own. 
In fact, our society actively encourages to do that. We're encouraged to seek after the next things, to upgrade and aspire to have more stuff. And our society will continue down that path. But I think the problem comes when we as Christians have accepted that as being okay too. I think sometimes we've even almost brushed it off as being irrelevant to our relationship with God. That it's fine to reach after getting more money, more possessions and more wealth. It's fine to have that as one of our main goals. As long as we're still giving our tithe and giving to the need every now and then, we tell ourselves that it's absolutely fine. But the reality of it is this, is that we can't get comfortable in that way of thinking. Because before we know it, instead of seeking after things of heaven, we'll have switched it to just thinking and seeking after things of this world. Have you let money become a barrier to how you serve God? Have you made it an idol, elevating it to a position of power over your life? What would it look like to give money and your finances over to God once again? So what do we see in Paul's farewell to the leaders in Ephesus? Well, I think it shows us the areas we need to take seriously in our ministry, that we must be people who persevere and keep going even when times are tough, to keep watch and keep the word of God central to our lives, and that we must be careful not to elevate money to a position of power over our lives, but instead to remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Yeah, God, thank you that you gave us the greatest example on how we should live, Jesus. Thank you uh, that as we look at you, we can model that on our lives, God. I pray that we be people who go after those things, who persevere when things are tough, to keep your word central in our lives and to be outrageously generous people, Jesus. Yeah, God, I pray as we go into the rest of the day, God, that you would be in everything that we say and we do. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.